0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible.
1: What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. My name is Joel Penfield. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. It's officially the off-season. This is the first One Royal Way off-season episode here. Um, but I, I hope that you, this still helps you guys get through these next couple of months uh, leading up to the 2023 season for the Kansas City Royals. And joining me tonight, a familiar name and face, if you see any of this on the, on the internet later, uh, Jordan Foote, co-editor, Vince, editor of in, editor-in-chief of Inside the Royals, new producer here at Kansas City Sports Network. And moving forward, drumroll please, my uh, full-time co-host for this show now. Uh, Jordan and I have been wanting to do a, a podcast together in some capacity for like a year now. But, you know paths have have not crossed that way uh through to just various just the timing didn't work but we figured now good a time as any and i can't wait to do this with you every week now man
2: yeah no i'm excited man it's like you said a long time coming um and really it's gonna be great dude because we both obviously um have you have more of the knowledge i'd say i almost said we both have the knowledge joel has all the brains um i it's gonna be a great time talking royals talking baseball um that that's what this is all about i'm excited to be here with kcsn obviously i I jumped on 21 questions last week with tucker that was fun to be back on a pod with him yeah um always we just have a good vibe man good chemistry on a podcast it just made sense to jump on and and be your co-host so i'm excited and uh grateful for that opportunity man
1: we joke all the time about good vibes only. This is going to be yes. a good vibes only podcast, no matter how bad the, the Royals are. Hopefully, it's a little bit better than what we saw uh, this past season with a, a 65 and 97 club. But we got a lot to talk about today, uh, despite all of that. I know it's the offseason and we haven't hit free agency, but there's there's some things that have happened uh, since the last One Royal Way episode uh, that we need to hit on. So, but before we do that. Nothing is changing with this. The show is always brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Let's hear a quick word from them.
2: From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense, it's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such, he needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound, it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room.
1: Thank you as always to KCSC for sponsoring this show. Be sure to check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. So the news broke last Wednesday during the One Royal Way RFR mega cast that we did with various Royals content creators talking about the end of the season. Uh the Mike Matheny was let go a couple hours after the season ended, and Cal Aldred as well. Uh, this was not a shocking move. It felt like it was gonna come whether it was a couple hours before the you know, after the game or you know as we sit a week after the the decision was made ultimately I think this is the right move and it's not and you hate see like sell you never want to celebrate someone losing their job like that's just not how we need to treat this but this was certainly the correct move moving forward for the Kansas City Royals Cal Aldrin had not been good at all and really in his tenure as a, a pitching coach for the Royals since 2018 one of the the worst staffs in baseball since then. I mean, at that point, that that's a pattern, and that's not just some bad luck. And then with Mike Matheny, it just felt like never, things never really clicked. Felt like that we saw a lot of the same issues that we saw in St. Louis. I've been kind of hammering that for most of the season, and I know a lot of Royals fans have been really since 2020. I thought there was some hope in 2020, 60-game season. You felt like maybe some things were starting to move in the right direction, and it never materialized either last year or this year. So this was the right time to make this move when you consider what needs to happen in the next couple of years. And I just don't think Mike Matheny was the guy in Cal Eldred's series. It could very obviously was not the guy to lead the pitching staff into the future of this organization.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. And you know, Mike Matheny always came off as a good dude who he, I think is better now than he was in St. Louis. Um, With that said, he still isn't the guy for this team. He might be the guy for a team out there, perhaps. Um, he's not the guy for this Royals team with a bunch of youth and a bunch of advancement, and they need someone who clearly John Sherman wants a very analytically inclined manager, um, or yes. at least staff in place, someone that vibes with that staff, um, or can you know do it themselves. Matheny's better, and I think he did show some progress compared to how he was, but it's not one of those you-can't-teach-an-old-dog-new-tricks type things quite, but it kind of was at the same time. Oh You combine that with a guy like Whit Merrifield in the clubhouse who leadership a little bit questionable, especially towards the tail end there when people were bringing up stuff. Um, Even without him, though, yeah, the vibe and the reports on the vibe and the rumblings on the vibe in the clubhouse weren't anything crazy. Um, During the year, early in the year, before the trade deadline, Even Vern was out there saying, you know, like it's a very tense and really people are walking around on eggshells. That kind of sums up, I think, that era in Royals baseball where they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They don't want to fully, fully, fully let the team bottom out all the way, even though it was still really bad, trying to hang on to some guys that didn't need to be hung on to. Um, Obviously, they were bad and they saw through being bad and they might be bad again next year, but Walking around on eggshells, being tense, not knowing what's going to happen next, waiting for the other shoe to drop—that was Mike Matheny's era with the Royals, and I think that kind of uh, summed up his tenure with Kansas City. I mean, the
1: the writing was on the wall for Matheny the day that Dayton Moore got fired. Yeah, and, Dayton Moore and was Cal guy that, too, and course. Cal, yeah, yeah. But I mean, g- generally, it was more like uh, for Matheny because yeah. Dayton kind of handpicked him to be the guy when Ned Yost decided to hang it up, and that was obvious when he when they brought him in in 2019 as a yeah. you know assistant director of baseball officer whatever whatever his title was associate to the the general manager. And I give a ton of credit to JJ Piccolo for taking those couple of weeks and evaluating and understanding we need to move in a different direction. You probably could have brought Matheny back for 23, and I wouldn't have. I might have been a little upset, but I would have understood it for continuity's yeah. sake. If nothing else, if you want to let go of Cal, then you know I have no argument for the other for it otherwise. But I could see a, an argument for bringing Matheny back and putting some other coaches around him. Maybe it clicks and works. But mm-hmm. what you don't want to do is hang on too long to the manager when it's clearly not working. And I felt like that scenario, if that scenario played out. And the world's bottom out again because is not the right guy. You are in a serious world of hurt. Now you're two or three years behind where you thought you would be. The clock's ticking on all these young guys. you got to get it figured out now. And I think this is yep. the ideal time. Get the right voice in there. You feel like you have a good locker room culture right now with the guys in place, the leaders that you have in place now that are young and a part of this team. This is a really good spot to be. For... Some candidates. I brought some up on social media. I know others have written articles. Um, in, into the Fountains, uh, Inside the Crown, Royals Review, mm-hmm. Royals Farm. Everybody's done them, so I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But my wish list. It starts with Raúl Abiños. I think he it would be a fantastic guy for this team. They talked about the impact uh, that 2014 team talked about the impact he had at the end of that season, as that was kind of nut cut in time right toward the end of the year to get that playoff spot. So I, he feels like a nice meld of like a you know the the players manager that can be a, build a good culture, but he's still around the game. He works for Major League Baseball, so you know he's analytically inclined enough because he just spends time around the game. Carlos Beltran, I know the Astros stuff doesn't bother me. I think he deserves a chance. If you want to go with an older manager, uh, I think Ron Washington would be great. Yeah, Bobby into a Gold Glover. Uh, with what he's able to do with that Braves infield. I know people don't want the older manager, but Buck Showalter in his first year with a floundering Mets organization, they won 101 games. I write mm-hmm. you because of the, and I think a lot of that you can contribute to the impact he had and what Dusty Baker's doing at Houston. Like this is the most consistent success that Dusty's had as a, a manager in a very long time. So obviously some of that was just the pedigree that Houston had yeah. uh, outside of the scandal, but he's the right type of guy for what they wanted and it's clearly worked. So there's precedent there for that. Then there are younger names like high Correa, the bench coach for the giants, skip Schumacher first base coach for the Padres. Um, There's another guy, uh, Christopher Negron, the bench Mm -hmm. coach for the Seattle Mariners. There's a lot of names here that I like and that I think could, could have a really good impact on the Royals and bring in something fresh, something new. I know they've said that they're going to interview Vance Wilson and Pedro Graffal. Grafaule. Uh, is also interviewing for the Marlins job, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And I think, you sure, you you give that opportunity there for the guys that are around. And most teams do that. So I don't think it's that out of the ordinary. But it sounds like the Royals are really going to do their due diligence, which to me sounds like they're going to make an outside hire which is what they need to do. They need to bring in fresh ideas. They need to bring in some new minds and see where it goes.
2: Yep. Um, and you mentioned all the lists. I published my list on insidetheroyals.com. Um, Ibanez, I believe, was an honorable mention. I, I agree with everything you said about him. He'd be a good hire. Um, Pedro Gafal, internal candidate, has to report with the players, could be analytically inclined perhaps. Like You have to at least give that process to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Zumwalt, not going to happen. The Royals really – they when JJ went up and talked about this guy's going to be here, this guy's going to be there. Um, He didn't bring up interviewing Zumalt or giving him that shot. He wants to keep him where he's at. Totally get it. Think he'd do a decent job. Um, It was an interesting proposition. Um, Ron Washington, yes, he's old, but he has that youthful energy. And I think we've talked about this too. He'd be a good fit for a young team, in addition to obviously the uh, pedigree of him and the infield defense. So I think that's a good one. Um, Carlos Beltran. <clears throat> his time, his time's coming soon, dude. Mm-hmm. Like Astros thing be damned. I, I think he got a little bit of a raw deal with the Mets when that he whole did. thing happened. Um, I think he's going to be the iconic, big name, charismatic guy. It's going to rub some people the wrong way, whoever hires him, Um, but that's okay. And then the, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. The bench coach for the race. Oh, uh, Matt Quartaro. Matt Couchard, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He... Long-time experience. He's interviewed for like four or five jobs in the past year or so. Um, Really, anything you read on him seems overwhelmingly positive about him as a person and communicator. Obviously, the analytically inclined mindset is there. Um, He's not old. He seems to be adored by everybody. He's going to get a job somewhere at some point. I don't know if it's going to be Kansas City. Um, Obviously, he's going to be lining up those interviews. So I think the Royals would be smart to at least give him a shot and see what happens. Um, I'm totally with you. Nothing against Pedro Grafal or Vance Wilson. I think externally is the way to go. I think if you're going to do this, you do it right. You get somebody from the outside, you handpick somebody, um, and you go through that process. And JJ mentioned um, they want to be efficient with it, but they're also not going to rush it. And I respect that. I think he is a straight shooter for the most part so far, and we'll talk about that here in a bit. Um, But I like what at least the... Uh, preliminary possibilities of what they can do here.
1: Well, and another name that was brought up, and this is the only name I've seen legitimately linked to this job. Uh, I think it was reported by John Paul Morosi on yeah. Thursday mm-hmm. or Friday last week uh, with Clayton McCullough, who is the first base coach for the Dodgers. I was sold at Dodgers. Mm-hmm. To be honest yeah. with you, that, that's like, enough said. Yeah, and, and enough said. Like you got Drew Saylor from the Dodgers organization. You saw what he's done with the hitting. So there's obviously something there. The fact that that name very quickly and early was brought up is mm-hmm. one to, to keep an eye on. Uh, if he does actually get the job, he spent some time as I think he was their high their high A manager for a little bit, so he has some time managerial experience even at lower levels. So there's some of that there, and plus it's the Dodgers. Like, well, and
2: know. people they say, oh, he doesn't have like that big league managerial experience. but he's coming from a first base coach position. I'm like, guys. A, I think the manager position in baseball, like good managers are good at managing the players, obviously. I know that Mm -hmm. sounds dumb, but they are. Um, And they don't mess stuff up. Bad managers can really mess stuff up for you. A good manager, the difference between a solid one and a good one, I, I don't think is that huge. Like I think it's a little bit overstated. They just need someone who isn't going to bleep stuff up and someone who vibes with the players and thinks forward and thinks ahead and thinks smartly. So if that's McCullough, that's the guy. And really the organizational values, um, Matt's getting the same benefit from Tampa Bay. If you're getting guys from good organizations that clearly, if they stuck out and didn't vibe with the organization, they would have been out. So they clearly value the same things they do. Um, If you're getting someone from a good org, that matters, I think.
1: It it really does. I'll be curious how this goes. I, I don't imagine a a decision will be made be made on a manager until about a month from now or so yeah, especially so. for teams that are still in the playoffs. Yep. It's it's going to take a little bit of time. That's normally when managers really start to start getting interviews after the World Series. Uh, teams that are obviously eliminated, they're they're doing them now, but uh, it's going to take a little bit of time. So we're going to be speculating on this for for the next couple of weeks. Going back to to JJ. Now that his time, uh, he's had a little bit of time as general manager and president of baseball ops. One thing I've appreciated about him, and I know some people may not like what he has to say at times, but he's a straight shooter. And he's been yeah. honest, uh, can't very candidly honest about where he thinks this team is. And he did an interview on a 610 Sports Radio, I think earlier today. Uh, This is a tweet from Royals Review that was quoted from the interview where he said, we're young, we're coming off a tough season and may not be the right time to invest heavily in this team. That's JJ talking about the potential of bringing guys in in free agency. My thought is I don't like that because I think this team is a little bit closer than he maybe wants to think, but he has a better pulse of it because he runs the damn thing. So (laughs) I, I I can't argue with it because that's his perspective. But what I appreciate about that is just the honesty. I think the honesty is important here. I think too often, and as much as I I love Dayton Moore, and I think he did a great job holistically, brought a championship to Kansas City, and that deserves some sort of credit because that just doesn't happen to small market teams Mm -hmm. in this era of baseball. But too often, Dayton Moore was unrealistic and kind of blew smoke up our ass when it came to where this team actually was. And I understand being in the eternal optimist, I totally understand that mindset. I think it's a very, uh, very valiant thing to be that type of person. But in this business, which is results oriented, you have to be realistic. And too often it felt like he wasn't. And we were led to believe that this team could compete sooner. And then we saw the product on the field and it was poor for the last three to four years. Really since 2017. I don't even think 2017 was that good. That was a failed season. Mm -hmm. This is refreshing As much as I may not like it, but I'm okay with that for now because that at least helps me set my expectations a little bit lower than, Mm -hmm. hey, maybe they win 75 to 77 games next year. And if they hit that, then cool. Uh, But if they go out and win 80 games and my expectations were a little lower, it feels even better. And I still think they're going to make some moves. JJ has at least talked about being willing to be more aggressive and transactional than Dayton was. So I think they'll still make some moves to make the team better. I don't think they just run it back. Uh, but I'll be, I'll be curious where it goes. Uh, I don't think we're going to see some of the free agent moves that we thought, but I'm not upset with that because at least it helps me set my expectations as we go further into the off season.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. Refreshing is the word I was going to use too. So I'm glad you did. Y- you just appreciate, and I appreciate you appreciate most people will, or some people, I guess, um, not blowing smoke up people's ass, you know, like telling them, Hey, this team is not going to be a contender next season. 2023 is going to be what you thought 2022 was going to be, where maybe you push for 500, you see what happens, you have some good moments, um, you think things are heading in the right direction. Not skip a year ahead, 2024 you're expecting to make the playoffs. Like, you have to go through that and take your lumps. Had this season they improved a little bit, or at least stayed the same, then maybe you're expecting playoffs in 2023 as things currently stand. And, like, with the lineup, not to say that – they can't add a lot, but they they can't really add a lot. The lineup is mostly what it's going to be. Um, the rotation is where you're looking. Like, they're not going to go out. They never were going to sign a Carlos Brodon or a Jacob DeGrom or anything like that. Like, Chris Bassett, although he would be amazing, still probably a slightly unrealistic target. Like, you're looking at maybe they bring back Zach Grinky. Um, I, I've seen, like, Clevenger's name thrown around. They're going to go with, like, a bounce-back candidate or something. They can still get at Chris Bassett and get a guy that's going to be their James Shields of uh, sorts for a little bit. They can still make moves, but um, expecting them to go out and shell out a $100 million bucks to free agents was always very unrealistic. I know John Sherman has money. I know if you really want to go all in, you can spend. And, like, the chicken or the egg of when first, then – spend money mm-hmm. or spend money to win. I kind of lean towards the latter, but I'm also not running a small market baseball team. Um, but at the very core of it, I do appreciate that JJ is saying, Hey, you know, set your expect." I do this all the time in life. And maybe that's just me being a, uh, I don't know what word I would use. Realist. I don't want to call it. Yeah. Realist. I don't even want to call it pessimist, but I set my expectations low for just about everything. And then when I'm pleasantly surprised, you feel better about that. Mm-hmm. Then, man, I set the bar so high for this um, for someone else to do. Then they fell short and then you're pissed off. It's not even we're not even working for the Royals or running that. If we set our expectations low, they surprise us. The fans out there, the diehard fans out there, the people who are going to every game and have season tickets. I mean, it's going to have a ripple effect um, mm-hmm. when the guy at the top or I guess second to the top is saying that. I think it sets a very clear tone. And personally, I like that better than the, um, I don't want to say lying because Dayton, he didn't intend to do that, but the false eternal, the eternal, the eternal optimism. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And when it comes to how the Royals spend, like if they don't this off season, like I'll get it, especially if that's how Dayton's viewing this season. Um, I may not like it because as our, uh, Lord and Savior Sam Presti, the Thunder, the Thunder's uh, GM says, "Scared money, scared money don't make none." Yeah, like there, there's that aspect of it. Um, so that that's how I look at it. like if you want to really go and spend and be aggressive, like you'll get rewarded for that. And the the way that I'm going to kind of view next season, at least the way I'm looking at it right now, as we sit on October 12th, we're still four months from. Uh, from pitchers and catchers reporting, but can they yep. be Baltimore next year? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not expecting them to be awesome, but can you be sneaky good, really give a fight to some of these playoff teams? And go, hey, we're here. We're coming. You
2: know, we're can not you be relevant in like mid August or even yes. we're can not saying just... in, on okay. September 15th, can you be relevant? But like, heading into the month of September, can you have some reason to keep watching the team?
1: Yes, it's that. And then, and the, the, and Baltimore even said on their exit meetings, like, it's go time. Uh, they're yeah. going go, to go. And as a small market team, they're going to go and spend money. Their young guys are here. They're established. Mm-hmm. They have a, they, and they had no really good pitching to speak no. of. They had like it's a bad. couple, their bullpen was pretty solid. But outside of that, like it wasn't anything special. Look at what the Royals are dealing with right now. Like you get the right set of people in there and it can change everything. And that it, it all kind of circles back to the manager conversation of getting the right people and the right coaching staff in can take a team that's not that great and at least make them interesting. So there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot to look at here with this. So I'm excited. This is one of the most exciting off seasons, off seasons that the Royals have had since 2014 going into 2015, where we knew that this team was going to be really damn good. So I'm, I'm excited for what's going to come there. Uh, On the other side of this, we're going to take, you know, some overarching looks at, at what there are, you know, a little season in review, if you will. Um, away from the mega cast just some this is some of my thoughts i couldn't stay on for the last part of that so you're gonna get my thoughts here we'll be back right after this all right welcome back guys so what we're gonna kind of just talk about our our overarching thoughts on the season there's not much much positive unfortunately uh, i talked a little bit about this on the royals farm mega cast show we did last week when Alex asked for my quick thoughts and curious how if you how you think about it if you think about it like I do but i said you know this season was obviously a disappointment it was terrible baseball for most of the season it it just was i mean all the way through the year the royals only had one streak where they won 4 straight and that was mm-hmm. in the last week of the season that's not good at at all i you can't make any you can't try and pry too many positives but ultimately the season became in the last six weeks, what we wanted it to be, where it was the young guys getting in there and, you know, getting their shot to prove, are they a part of the next group? And we knew Bobby was going to be uh, in the, in the starting lineup uh, from jump street. We knew that going in so that, you know, that was one. And then it took about a month. We've got MJ in there and he became a formidable leadoff hitter. Um, still finding his place defensively, but a really, You know, he proved his worth in the big leagues, hit 17 Mm -hmm. home runs, something like that. If you've had a leadoff spot and a more unconventional guy, but it worked. Then you get Vinny in there who became your best hitter. And then Nate Eaton out of nowhere becomes a guy. Michael Massey becomes a guy. Uh, Edward Olivares, Kyle Isbell platoon. Seems like it could be really sneaky good going into next year. Um, On the pitching side, Brady Singer emerged as the the ace that we think he can be, or at least top of rotation guy, we think he can be. Dylan Coleman became a stud out of the back of the bullpen with a sub-3 ERA, a perfect sort of bridge to Scott Barlow in the ninth. There's a lot to like here. There is. And it's hard to see all some of that through a 97-loss season, but I feel good about where the team is at, knowing like these are the guys that are part of the future and there's not a lot of guesswork anymore. Like there was a ton of guesswork of who is actually going to be on the next good Royals team over mm-hmm. the last few years. We don't have to guess too much about that anymore. Like it's a lot of these young guys that came up and proved themselves this year.
2: Yeah. So if you would have asked me um, before you spoke what my thoughts were, I would have mimicked that. It would have been a mirror image. Um, in terms why of why you're my lots, co-host, exactly. Um, I have bullet points here. I'm going to read them off in order. Brady Singer. Um, the hitters, Bobby Witt Jr., Melendez, Pascual were in parentheses hope for the future with new changes. Um, really just the deadline moves that they did make instead of the ones they didn't, um, firing Dayton Moore. The fact that they realized that things weren't working and needed to change, that was not a foregone conclusion. Yeah. I'm just going to let people know. Like, Dayton Moore could have stuck around. Mike Matheny could have stuck around. Cal Eldred could have stuck around. They could have ran this thing back. And Dayton Moore could have said, we believe in the guys we have. And they could have flopped for five more years and then blew up and went down in flames. So um, the fact that they may not, they, they can still do it. They can still completely flop, but at least they're trying something new. That means a lot. Um, and then my last bullet point was Dylan Coleman, just in general. He, he definitely, the bullpen still needs a lot of work but eight, nine doesn't need a lot of work. As long as Scott Barlow's around, which, you know, they didn't trade him, but they also may not extend him. Yada, yada. Um, That's going to be interesting, but that is my last bullet point. So in terms of what got better and general takeaways, there's a lot. I don't know how far into the weeds we want to get with what got worse or what didn't improve, but those are my positive or uh, neutral thoughts.
1: I got one more positive thing, I guess, and then we
2: can go into some of the the really
1: negative stuff for, Really, since 2016, it's felt like this organization had no direction. They had no yeah. idea what they wanted to do, or they knew what they wanted to do. It had zero idea how to execute it, which leads to a directionless organization. For the first time, really, since they won the World Series, we have a direction for this organization and where they're going to go. Dayton's mm-hmm. gone. Matheny's gone. Eldred's gone. We have all these young guys in here, which means some of the the veterans that have gotten playing time for no reason or don't deserve those plate appearances or innings aren't going to get them anymore. You're bringing in a new regime. You're probably bringing someone else into the front office. I I don't think they're going to hire a true GM. I think JJ is going to pull double duty. Wouldn't shock me if they bring somebody else in uh, just as another outside mind into the front office like they would with a manager and whoever else. We have a direction of where this organization is going to go now. Mm -hmm. which is a really comforting thing to have. Now, what direction that's truly going to go? I don't know, but I don't think we're treading water anymore with the same old stuff. And it felt like we've, we've seen that for too long. And I'm excited at the fact that we're not going, it's not the same retreads and it's not the same BS that we're getting fed every off season and the same BS in season it's different, which is good, and change is a good thing, and I'm glad the Royals made change at multiple levels. On the opposite end of this, I mean, the pitching was a friggin' disaster. Yeah. Outside of Brady Singer, and really, Zach, I, okay, I'll, I'll say this too. Zach Grinky finished the season with a sub-4 ERA. I said before the year, if he gives you a 4-2, you're, he, that's exactly what you want out of him. He pitched well and couldn't strike anyone out, and just found a way to do it. Um, but outside of that, Brad Keller was horrible. Uh, Daniel Lynch had like two good starts and then he'd be horrible for a month and then he'd have two good starts and then he'd be horrible again. And Chris Boobich was just bad pretty much all year outside of like a three-week stretch where he was okay, like passable. No one got better outside of Brady Singer of all these young pitchers. John Heasley was fine, but I don't know if he got better necessarily. I think he was just kind of the same dude. Carlos Hernandez regressed hard, which was not shocking considering... He's not that good. Gr- he's not that good. There's just not a lot of positives you can really take outside of Brady Singer. Mm-hmm. So that's why it is imperative to bring in the right pitching coach and revamp the development for this team because so much of the rebuild hinges on those guys. I hate to put a ton of pressure on them, but it's it's really what this team is at this point.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. My, what got worse or what didn't improve the pitching outside of, and then I inserted Brady Singer, Dylan Coleman, Scott Barlow, and even Barlow- Okay, Cole um, Coleman people...
1: is a good point. I, I sure, yeah, he, But still, he I good. mean,
2: that's an overwhelming amount that did not get any cool. better. Have a good season. So that was rough. Um, the rotation specifically, massive disappointment outside of obviously Greinke, too. Um, the team's record clearly got worse. And then this is kind of we're going to talk about our season awards, or I guess they're going to be negative awards too. And I don't want to pile on this guy. Um, the Nick Prado situation didn't leave a pleasant taste in anyone's mouth. I do think that a somewhat small sample size and B, the jerking him in and out of the lineup all the time yeah. was not great, and then sending him down to uh, AAA to end the year. That whole management and another Mike Matheny type thing, um, whether it was his call or not, which I I think he had some aspect in the spreadsheet was not in Nick Prado's favor. Um, it that wasn't great so that wasn't like a oh my gosh we need to have everybody slam the panic button a la jackson coar on nick Mm -hmm. prado um but definitely didn't work out the way many expected this season he was always going to strike out a ton but uh, people thought everything else would make up for it and it it didn't quite do that Um, so overall it, it sucks spending any amount of time on the bad but to not do so would be kind of negligent. I think considering how bad this season was.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to, I mean, we, I spent an entire frigging season talking about how awful everything was. So uh, I I have
2: an unrelated question for you. Yeah. What's up? And this is, this is big picture philosophical semantics. I'm just interested. When does it transition from calling it this season to last season? Cause during the off season, one, i feel like once they start making significant moves and once the playoffs are over it is officially last season yes. you don't have to wait all the way until spring training or anything to call it last season right once the season ends for me is when i call it this past season okay and then and that's
1: probably the most, and then it's next season thing. until no until opening or until about spring training and then it's this season yeah. and the cycle goes that way that's how I'm I I was just curious. I don't yeah. know what
2: even made me think of that. I think because I called it this season, you called it this past season when both are correct, I think. Yes,
1: but I don't um, think either are wrong. That's just how yeah. I differentiate it for, for me. Yeah. Um, Guys, we're gonna
2: have tangents like that. I think oh, I'm yeah. a big tangent guy. Um, so there was your you know, one and a half minute teaser for that.
1: And I have ADHD, so it's gonna happen. Like I'm not I'm oh, gonna yeah. let it happen even when I don't want it to happen. <laughs> Um, let's do some awards. I don't have to spend too much time on this first one. Let's just get the best pitcher out of the way. Brady Singer, thank you very much, sir. Uh, congratulations. You, I mean, he became the guy that we wanted him to be. And when that light turned on, I mean, when he was on, there are there aren't maybe fifteen. There's maybe like fifteen better pitchers in baseball. Like when the stuff is working the way that it should, and he was able to cut down on walks. He was striking more guys out not allowing da- not allowing a ton of damage and was able to work out of innings that he wasn't able to in the past, which tells me the mental side is really coming through for him too, which is a huge part of being a pitcher. Those blow-up innings he would have last year is when he would get dinked and dunked around mm-hmm. and then just get whacked. We didn't see that this year. He'd give up a couple of those dink and dunk hits and they would strike outside and get out of the inning. That's a huge part of the development for a pitcher. Now it's working that change up in a little bit more and letting things go that way. Honorable mention for me is Dylan Coleman. Uh, And that's not a a slight at Barlow. Barlow, I think, has established himself as a top 10 reliever in the sport. I don't need to spend Mm -hmm. too much time on that, but from about, I'd say after the All-Star break, the walks really started to go away for Dylan Coleman. Because you could look at his outing, and it would be one inning, one hit, two walks, a run, two strikeouts.
3: Really, Really, it'd be chaotic.
1: He was a very
2: chaotic pitcher for a while.
1: And then about August, it was one inning a hit three strikeouts one mm-hmm. walk maybe um and once that started to happen you can see the lights out stuff he has and the closer type stuff that he has yeah. he's gonna be a force in the back of this bullpen for a very long time. Uh, I can't wait for that um, I don't know how much longer Barlow has I don't know if they maybe try and shop him this off season but Dylan Coleman's a dude like he he is a certified dude in the back of the bullpen so that is a a welcome sight for the Royals moving forward.
2: Yeah. Um, hashtag trade your relievers. I'm a, a big proponent of that, especially ones that are going to be 30 soon um, or don't have a ton of team control left. And Dylan Coleman does have some team control left. So yes. um, it, it's got to be Brady singer, right? 10 and five, three, two, three ERA. The FIP wasn't anything crazy. Um, 150 strikeouts. And I think it was like 153 innings or something yeah. like that, which for um, a sinker
1: it, ball type guy, that makes sense. Like, I Oh yeah. And he, I was going
2: to say that that's pretty yeah. impressive for him. Like I, anybody should take that um it's not like he posted a hundred or anything he is it wasn't Zach grinky numbers I'll, I'll leave it at that right um, how many he, how many strikeouts does Zach grinky finish with I never I, even know I that. don't know the number and I have fan graphs I can pull up I'm gonna say what do you think his K per nine was I'm gonna say it was like 4.3 I'll go 3.5 all right Zach grinky's strikeouts per nine in this season 4.8.
1: 4.8 okay still I, not yeah. so h- not how many strikeouts good. did he finish with and what like 120 ish innings
2: um he threw because he missed some, um, a
1: good chunk of time with a couple il stints yeah
2: so he had 137 innings okay and he struck out if so i it, could learn how to read fan ish, graphs 73 80? 73 strikeouts 73 and brady singer had that in probably half of his uh unreal hey yeah. that
1: that's a tip of the cap to grinky man Like he... to be able
2: to get dudes out
1: yeah. without any sort of strikeout stuff i mean dude's a hall of famer he pitch and... for a
2: billion more years if he's healthy
1: yes he could he could yeah. still get dudes out throwing 75 like i am mm-hmm. fully convinced of that yeah. all right let's go to hitter of the year man
2: it...
1: is it hot takey to save any Pasquantino?
2: No, I have Vinny Pasquantino, Dude, like, he, his slash was 295, 383, 450, Waiter 137, runs plus a 134. Runs plus. Exactly. It was fantastic. The power numbers were going to even out. I know once he got back from the injury, they were down a little bit. They were still not bad. He had more walks than strikeouts as a rookie. Like, what else can you ask for with him? And, like, we're on the same wavelength of if there's one extension candidate that isn't Bobby Witt Jr., it's Vinny Pasquantino, and Correct. I think that makes sense from the Royals' side and from his side. Um, he has the floor of a really impressive hitter and a really valuable hitter. The defense is, I think, better than some people believe it is. It's not yes. bad. I think it's pretty darn solid. Um, he's a decent. He's just a decent player, man, and a really decent player. He can be a positive contributor in the Royals' lineup for a decade. And he yeah. can be the guy that, whether it's a Billy Butler vibes or something like that, or a Kendris Morales type vibe where he's there and you know, he's going to hit, you know, he's going to hit some out of the park. You know, he's going to get some extra base hits. You know, he's going to draw some walks, the plate discipline and the maturity with him. It sets him apart. He is oh, yeah. brilliant. I mean, he, I know that you can go better overall player if you want to, or better overall rookie or whatever you want to do. And we'll have that conversation. The best hitter was Vinny Pasquantino on that team.
1: I'm calling my shot now. And I'm going to talk about this going forward too. Vinny Pasquantino is going to be an all-star in 2023. And I'm not oh, wow. saying this as a sunshine okay. or anything like, like the shift is going away. Think and think about all those hard hit ground balls. He hit to the right side that without a shift would be a hit. Yeah. He's going to be a 300 hitter next year, like 290 to 300. The power is going to continue to come as he continues to to grow, get stronger, and go from there. He's still not going to strike out a bunch, so you know you're going to get good at bats. You know, the maturity and the approach tells me he's going to be a stud. And I know first base and DH is super saturated, and he has to deal yeah. with like Shohei and Jordan and all that.
2: Well, and the team but, could be a little bit better, too. And so and like people are going to be, able- be watching and voting. Correct. yeah
1: so, and people know how good Vinny is. Like, there are so yeah. many national media people that know how it good Vinny is in and Kansas has, City. Yes. And people, like, he has this type of personality that he can be like a cult, like a cult yes. hero type in baseball, kind of like Kai France and some other dudes are, like, throughout baseball. That it's like, oh, that guy's kind of cool. Like, I like that guy. Uh, kind of like Stephen Kwan kind of became this year. I was going to uh, say Cleveland. Stephen Kwan. Same, same yeah. kind of vibes. So, for I think this is. Now, before we we move on, I don't want to make light of Bobby Wood Jr. season because 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases, 30 doubles, played solid defense down the stretch. Like, he had a two- or three-week stretch where the defense was awful, and you could tell he had the yips a little bit. Other than that, he was pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. And I know people want to talk about that Jeremy Pena was better. and When you're looking at Fangraph's war, like I think Jeremy Pena was a full win better, Mm -hmm. but a lot of that there a lot of the Fangraphs war formula is defense and they're going to up your war if you're a really really good defender. Jeremy Peña is awesome. But I but their hitting stats were roughly the same. Like they both are right around 100 weighted runs created plus, way more stolen bases for Bobby, about the same amount of power, their slash lines were roughly the same and if we thought Bobby walked didn't walk a lot, Jeremy Peña walks less and strikes mm-hmm. out more. The fact that Bobby was able to keep his strikeout rate around 20-21% most of the year is huge for him. If he can start stop swinging so much, I think he has a chance to be like a five-win player next year and really solidify himself as one of the best young players in baseball. He just happened to be in a class where Julio went God mode for mm-hmm. and pretty much carried the Mariners on his back for most of the season offensively. Adley Rutschman turned himself into one of the best young uh, catchers and one of the best catchers, period, in all of baseball. Jeremy Pena was really good. O'Neal Cruz is a highlight real machine, even if I think he's super overrated. like There was just a lot of guys that came up and had really good seasons too, and Bobby got lost in the shuffle because the Royals were bad. But I don't want people to think that Bobby was down or that his season wasn't good. He was underwhelming. He was overhyped, blah, 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 blah. He's a damn good baseball player that was in the unfortunate circumstance of being on a terrible team it is what it is. Bobby is a still really, really, really good. Do not uh, – don't lose sight of how good he is because we know yeah. how finite – we know how finite his time is in Kansas City. So enjoy it.
2: Yeah. Uh, I have him as best rookie. Like Vinnie Pascutino, best hitter. Bobby Witt Jr., best rookie. Correct. It, I'm going to dumb this down. It was very, very, very difficult to do what he did this year. Oh, yeah. With the shortcomings on defense – with the swing decisions, with the walk rate not being good to hit that many home runs and steal that many bases and have the raw power that he did at shortstop, um, or third base, you know, whatever you want to label him as right now. Um, he, he had a really good rookie year. Did he not become God like Julio? Sure. Like if you want to say that was the bar and he didn't reach it, whatever, that shouldn't have been your bar. He should have had, you should have known he was going to have some growing pains. The team wasn't going to be great. He was going to have, uh, he wasn't going to walk a lot. Like a lot of this was predictable. The defense I didn't predict, Uh, but he still had a really good year. I think the defense will improve. He's too athletic and too good to not improve. I'd be majorly shocked if the numbers still hated him in a few years. Um, (coughs) Ron Washington. (coughs) Sorry. Yes. Um, Anyway, he had a really good year. I think he was impressive. I think he has a baseline as a good player, this is his and the ceiling of a superstar. This, this, this is his floor. Yeah, and like, it's still it, pretty it, at, at damn being, good. At the worst, he's a all-star level player. At the worst, he's what people wanted Adelbert Almendesie to be. I, I'm, bingo. I'm just gonna say, bingo. It. Yeah,
1: that that is that's 100 right. Um, let's go to most surprising player.
2: Are we skipping best story? Yeah. Cause I don't feel like talking about the really cool story that this season was not. Okay. Um, well I'm going to lump in best story. I have drew waters with him elevating the walk rate and being, so he could be most surprising too. Like he, he's an honorable mention. Um, I'm going to go Nate Eaton or Michael Massey. And I think because Massey kind of slowed down a little bit at the end of the year, I might have to go with Nate Eaton. This says more about me. I just didn't believe in him. I was like, he's not going to produce enough to stick around. It was obviously 44 games, but a 101 weighted runs created. Plus Almost the awesome one defensive data. <laughs> exactly. Um, the awesome defensive data, the 11 stolen bases, whether he's a starter or not long-term, I don't want to get into that really. He has a role. <laughs> he has a very oh, yeah. clear role as either a defensive replacement that can run or a guy that can be your fourth outfielder or something. He is a big leaguer long-term and I know that, you know, Ryan O'Hearn had a 44 42 game sample size or whatever that people are going to say, Oh, you know, that doesn't mean anything like Nate Eaton also tore up triple A pitching. He tore up some minor league pitching before he came up. So Nate Eaton, I think probably the most surprising for me.
1: Okay. So I actually will have a best story. Uh, I don't want to be that sarcastic of an a-hole. I think the best story of the season was that win in Toronto on that Friday game. That's, that's a good one where, it was the biggest upset in the major league season. Um, I know they didn't win any other games in that series. Everything was the Thursday. So it was a four gamer, um, but that win, Nate Eaton's first big league hits a home run, that kind of seals the game on hell's Zerpa pulled, pulls together a great start and they win that game. Uh, that was huge. And when you consider um, the, all the negative storylines that were correlated with that whole thing, <laughs> uh, we don't have to go too much further into that, but uh, that was, that was probably the best story of the season. It yep. Was that that yep. win? Getting that win, that was a big deal. My most surprising player and most disappointing are kind of related. My most surprising is Edward Olivares, like the dude just consistently That's a good point. hits yeah. the ball. And I, okay, and I'll lump in my I'll lump in my most disappointing here because they kind of go together. And it's Kyle Isbell is my most disappointing okay. because I was a massive Kyle Isbell believer. I thought he is an everyday big league corner outfielder, and Edward Olivares. Was the bench player you can bring in and, you know, put him in right field against the lefty and let him mash. Yeah. I think I have those flipped. I think Edward Olivares is an everyday right fielder for this team. He's not great defensively. Uh, Maybe you can lock him in a a cage with Rusty Koontz and just they can go and work on stuff during the offseason. And maybe he comes back as league average and that'll be fine. But it didn't matter. Right, left, Edward Olivares just hit and he hit the ball hard. Uh, I, I wish that he didn't get hurt there and miss a good two to three months because I wonder what he would have looked like over a full season. Maybe we wouldn't have to, had to have seen the atrocity that was Hunter Dozier in right field or Ryan O'Hearn buddy. in right field. <laughs> buddy. So, it's, I mean, yeah. that was there. Um, I still think smells a big leaguer. He's a really good defender. Wow. He's st- showed some spurts of what he can be at the big leagues. But I just don't think he's cons- he can hit consistently enough. He strikes out too much for the type of player that he is. I, and he made some mistakes pressing, trying to prove that he could be that guy. And Edward Olvarski just went out there and hit and didn't really care. So I think the mentality shift there for me w- is the, the difference.
2: I didn't know that he didn't have much of a split. He hit 287 against righties, 283 against lefties. Yeah, for some reason, matter. I thought... I thought it was a lot more substantial than that. Everyone was like, oh, you have to platoon Edward Olivares. Obviously one sample was bigger than the other. That's impressive. That's a guy that you don't have to platoon. Now I'm going to do a live lookup of man. How many games did he even play in 21? Do you think
1: in 22 this year?
2: 21 last year. Oh, last year, he only played in like a handful because he went up and down so much. So he played 50. Um, It was 263 against righties, two Oh three against lefties. So, He got better Still up in the air, but he got better and he's still, how old is he? 26. I want to say 26. Yeah, he's 26. He'll be 27 in March. So he's not ancient at all. Uh, My most disappointing, and this kind of isn't fair. My honorable mention was Kyle Isbell for all the reasons you mentioned um, Hunter Dozier and not because I expected him to be better, but because many people expected him to be better. I thought he'd be better. And technically like he was like, 8% 8% or 5% better. like he was a tad bit better but a 90 way to run screen and a sub 300 OBP that's with not atrocious. De- with, with defense. atrocious defense the versatility just because he can play multiple doesn't, positions he, doesn't he mean sure. he should be um, he's still on the books but the contract he's over 30 the injury concerns are still there um, I, it's not to say Hunter Dozier was the guy that the Royal Season was riding on but he was one of those guys and I think, um, if not Isbell, he'd probably be my most disappointing. You mentioned Carlos Hernandez. We both kind of thought before the year he wasn't that guy. Like, not to, you know, crap on him or whatever. Um, Nick Prado, again, I'm not going to pile on him. It's too early. Rachel I think it's Reuters. either Kyle Isbell or Hunter Dozier.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Hunter Dozier thing. Like, I think Alex from Royals Farm had a great tweet. Uh, it was like, maybe, I think it was around the end of July, beginning of August, where, I mean, Dozier had a decent start to the year. Like, he yeah, the he well. did. Yeah. And then over the next three months, it was, yeah. you know, maybe you can, you can, you can keep the bottom of the lineup every day and, you know, see what happens to, yeah. and then, and then it went oh, to, well, moving forward, maybe he's just a bench guy and go yeah. to now where it's, how can you keep this guy on the roster? Yeah. That's, this is where I wonder the aggressiveness uh, and trend being more transactional and treating it like a, a results-based. It's like how much are you willing
2: to eat to get rid of this guy? Like type situation. It, it really is. Rough.
1: It really is. And I
2: know what's that it, answer for you. Do you have one?
1: You'll have to let, let me see what they do in the offseason. I mean, I have an answer and I don't want to see him in any capacity next year, but I know he will be. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, let's see here. We got a couple more and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Um, Okay. Here is your. Okay, so this was your like surprise award. So mm-hmm. this is basically just like you came up with a random award. You can name it, with it however you like,
2: and you're giving an award to a player. So I. This is bad. I, I'm sorry, but keeping it on the disappointing vibes, most likely to be non-tendered. It's Brian O'Hearn. Um, Are you sure it's Not Brad Keller. Uh, considering the price tag, that does seem like a decent point. I can see the Royals thinking they can fix him or still want him in some capacity. Um, I think O'Hearn just 72 once runs created plus is not going to play again. Hunter Dozier defense seemed like he's not as bad, but still not good. Um, He's not worth keeping around even for a pinch hitting basis. So I think O'Hearn is a near lock to be non-tendered Keller. I would still lean that they do, but even at whatever the estimate was, 7 million or whatever. I could see yeah. the Royals somehow thinking that there's another uh, fix with a new pitching coach. They can get the most out of him, yada, yada. Yeah.
1: All right, so my award is the About That Action
2: Award, and that goes to Amir Ooh. Garrett. Yes, I, I I knew it before you even said it, man. It's got to be Amir Garrett.
1: The fact that we didn't get to see – um The Javi Baez, Amir Garrett at bat. And any of the games they played against Detroit is probably my most disappointing thing this season. The Royals were bad. The Tigers were bad. They should have just let it happen. Those two are Peter Griffin and the Chicken. They are (laughs) bound to fight for for all of eternity. So I want that to happen. Results be damned. I love Amir Garrett. That is the perfect, like, wild card dude to have in your bullpen. The like fire breathing dragon, Mm -hmm. even if he's not out there blowing shed. Like, he's just got that air about him that it's perfect. And when you deploy him correctly, which I think is in a low to mid leverage, high leverage, one out lefty type, Mm -hmm. then he's good. And like, I think they went once the all-star break hit and they didn't start using him as like their eighth inning setup guy, when that clearly was not working and they made him purely situational, it worked out nicely. And if that's what he is next year, and he's just that wild card guy that's going to, you don't know what kind of antics you're going to get out of him. That's like the perfect dude to have in your locker room and in your bullpen.
2: Like I'm fine with it. I think if you had to vote um, and he won't be around when this happens, but most likely to bail the royals out of a huge jam in a postseason situation out of the bullpen. It'd be Amir Garrett. Like I can yes. I can see it on TV now. Him coming off the mound, just absolutely jacked, screaming into the camera, stuff like that. He is must watch baseball, good or bad. Correct. And I think when he's rolling, dude, he's fun to watch. He's a very entertaining player. Um he really, really Like I know he hired that pitching uh, codify. He started using codify. He he started using codify. Notice the correlation with how much better he got once he started doing. Yes. So he really combined with that and his comments throughout the year, he genuinely seems to love Kansas city for some Mm -hmm. reason. And as a guy, that was his first time there on a bad team. Um, That was, that was refreshing to see. So I think um, that definitely is a good call. I I never would have thought of about that action award. Like who would an honorable mention, does anyone even compare to that? Not to say that the roles oh. are soft or anything, but like, no, but Garrett's who, about it. I feel like,
1: I feel like Nate Eaton would be a wild card. Like I, he's because yeah. here's the thing. So here's the thing. Like, he's not like, he's pretty unassuming doing to yeah. VMI. He went to Vil- yeah. Virginia military Institute. Like you don't mess with that guy. I think would Zach like, that also, be an that honorable mention? For, that, and, oh, good point. Good point. Because he went, like, he he did fight people many times in his career. And
2: he had the Puig thing where he threw his uh, crap off the bus. Tried to and fight also Yossi not Yossi assuming, yeah.
1: Yeah. Michael, yeah, like, Michael Massey and Nate Eaton have, like, Popeye forearms. Uh-huh. Like, those dudes would
2: jack somebody up in a fight. I think, would Nicky Lopez be a sleeper pick? Like, he's so. a really nice guy, but he seems like, he's, from a leadership standpoint. He'd be yeah. scrappy, but I don't know how well it would go. It, it would go very bad. Yeah, it would be he could be about it, but it would go very poorly. Not to say Nikki Lopez can't fight. We obviously haven't seen that and hopefully won't see that. Um, but yeah, it's and Salvador Perez is too nice. Like I wouldn't pick a fight with Salvador Perez and he has his guys back, but I just can't really picture him in that situation. Amir Garrett definitely takes the cake and it's not even close.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I I need a Javier Baez, Amir Garrett. Yes, like, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. The fact we were denied it, we got so close one time and then they pulled him out right as Javi was on deck. I was Out of so all mad. the things we out brought of,
2: up about Mike Matheny this year, that, that one should have been the at the top. Mad. Yeah, that, that, that should have been mad. at the top. Oh, man.
1: All right. Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode. We will talk to y'all in a couple of weeks because Royals Farm will be next week. As this, uh, we get into the offseason, we're going to alternate and then right around the once we get into 2023, we'll go back to two shows a week. But for now, the NFL content machine needs
2: to do its thing. And I totally understand. So uh, Jordan, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, good first pod, man, officially as co-host. I thought it was great. Um, hopefully everybody else thought it was great. It was a blast for me. Um, hopefully it was a blast for you guys too. Absolutely. Be
1: And if you were a Chiefs fan going to that Bills game, uh, make Arrowhead the fire-breathing dragon that it was on Monday night. Uh, it's going to be, that game's going to be a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Win or loss, that game is going to be ridiculous. Those are two, Heavyweight fighters at quarterback that are gonna be going back and forth just like we saw in that divisional round game. So I'm I'm super excited for for Sunday to
2: watch that game. Yeah, it's gonna be a wild one with baseball going on too this week. Um it's a good time for sports. The NBA coming back up. I know some people are hit or miss on that, but NHL back too. Exactly. So it's a good time of the year, man. Absolutely. Thank you
1: so much to all of our sponsors, uh, KCSC, Tickets for Less. Be sure to go check them out. Use our code KCSN22 uh, for all concert shows, Chiefs games, KU football, uh, K-State football. We got basketball coming up around the corner. Uh, they don't charge per-ticket fees. It's, they don't charge anything ridiculous like you see on other third-party sites. KCSN22 uh, for a discount there at ticketsforless.com. Be sure to go check that out. Uh, draft Kings. Uh, and by the way, if you're out on a Saturday at the KCSN uh, charity golf tournament, be sure to say what's up. Cause I'm going to be out there probably on, uh, I don't know which hole I'll be on, but I'll be at a par three sitting there drinking some uh, holiday bourbon, having a great time. So I uh, hope to talk some ball with you guys when you're teeing off there, uh, whatever tee box I'll be at. We will talk to y'all soon.